Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to keep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. Welcome, welcome to the Moon Show with Joel and Ryan. I am Joel. And I'm Ryan. And of course, and if you're Shana. watching the video, Shauna's here! Right. <laughs> and a... There we go. Uh, yeah, we. it is time. It is time. It is time for the Holiday Movie Club uh, edition of the Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. What would the holidays yes. be without it? Correct. It is the thing that many people wait for. Many people don't start their Christmas shopping until after the movie show with Joel and Ryan movie club holiday spectacular, spectacular. Um, I, can see I might be one of them. Yeah. I might be one of them. I finished um, my Christmas shopping, but I don't have a lot of people to shop for. There's, I don't have to buy anything for kids, which really speeds yeah. the process up. I can. Uh, yes, I would think so. Um, and um that's pretty much all I do now is yeah. buy for kids. Um, all right. Well, welcome to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. Uh, so, Shauna, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to see you. How you been? I've been great. Thanks, Joel. Thanks for asking me to be on again. Woo. And, yeah, we're super happy. And we uh, we have a uh, fans of the movie show with Joel and Ryan. We'll notice the the uh, festive holiday uh, background on Shauna's video feed, which is uh, slightly different than before. Um, it is... 100% more festive um, and also 100% um, less dogs walking around in the background from time to time, <laughs> which I don't say that as a complaint. No, I loved when the, when the dogs would come by, uh, that was in, in no way is that a complaint. That was yeah. just uh, happened, that happened was to go. Fun. Oh, I don't think we're going to get to see the dogs this time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um but yeah so uh so, so let's 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 kind of jump right into uh talking about the holidays what are what is everyone's big holiday plans for for ryan what do you do for the holidays or what what, well, what sort of stuff uh gets you jazzed for the holidays i decorate in here but not very much but i just change out like i have these little white christmas lights around my window year round and i just i switch them blue lights and then well there you go but the super nice thing about my in my life or at least my recent years is that during the holidays usually i have to dump a bunch of vacation time and it's typically a great time to do it because at work i don't have to you know whatever and 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 of course i watch tons of movies which is i have this great lineup for movies that we get to talk about in the new year and that's particularly useful this year because 
as I say, that's always kind of been the routine, but it's really going to be great this year because of how busy we are in the early winter. It's going to be crazy, and it'll be nice to just have a bunch cashed up. And yeah, yeah. That we can just whip out each week like we did last year. It's going to be really great. But I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I mean, this is one of the most exciting things. I love our podcast, starting with our little best holiday specials episode. You remember that one? Uh, where, yeah. Where we vividly. argued about the Grinch like a lot. Right. Because you're just not high enough on the Grinch for my tastes yeah. at all. Yep. Yep. Um, or Dr. Seuss in general for that matter. But, but other than that, stinger to my heart where it's it it was it's such a warm and fond memory and then this is our third holiday show that we got to do with shauna which i think is just Mm -hmm. i'm always privileged and honored to have her around you bring such a cool different perspective to us and i just i'm very grateful for that so and we missed you so much so it's so awesome to see you and your hat is so susical if i dare i say this and i love it if you, uh, dear listener, if you are listening to this, uh, hopefully I'll, yeah, I mean, I'll, you'll see it e- even in the, um, the tile for the YouTube, uh, uh, the YouTube link. I will make sure to somehow highlight the amazing, amazing hat Shauna is wearing. Uh, it, it really puts to shame any holiday. I mean, good Lord, we have Ryan with reindeer antlers on. Um, and I, the, I, I believe they light up. No, they just have little. Oh, they're just little reflectors. Okay, okay. They appear it looked like that it they're light lit up, but they don't. Yeah, yeah. So the light is catching them. So, but, but I mean, Shauna's hat really does put uh, all of our uh, holiday festivities to uh, you know, early accoutrement uh, to shame. Uh, it's really spectacular. That I like is, your that Christmas gangsta hat. Yes, that'd be I good like for this. a Christmas poker game. It'd, it'd be good for a Christmas poker game. It fits in with a couple of the the eras of the movie uh, movies that we'll be talking about today. It almost so. looks like a little sprig of uh, pine. Yeah, oh, that I would agree. have been good. Be a nice touch. Do I have one of those here? Do I have something? Back? No, I do have a, a, my crackling. Uh, I have a, a wintergreen candle that crackles like a fire. I have one of those, but... I don't know that the microphone would pick it up and it would probably just sound like we have some sort of weird audio distortion and it would drive Ryan slightly more insane. Yeah, um, it's possible. Shana, what, 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 are you, what, are you, what do you guys do for the holidays? Do you guys do a lot of traveling and stuff? We don't. I Since we got Lou, we, we adopted Lou and I said the first year I want to stay home. I don't want to go anywhere. And that's kind of been our thing. I like quiet Christmas at home, just the immediate family. I've always just kind of been that way. I like, I the big hoopla kind of makes me crazy. So I, I try to keep it as kind of quiet and at home as we can. And then we travel afterwards. Oh, I love that. I'm it's a good so, idea. I'm, and, I mean, look, I loves me and my family. They're, they're all fine, but that idea of, Oh, just hanging out and doing nothing. <sighs> on that there's oh that sounds glorious and we have a uh, and you know the tree is lit up and the two dogs and everything it's just it's nice and peaceful yeah yeah uh we get i have you know since my my folks are both uh remarried um and we have uh 
Jennifer's family, and we're all right here um, in the Twin Cities. Uh, yeah, our our holiday turns into you know we're gotta find gotta find a, a time to have a uh, holiday dinner and presents and everything with my dad and stepmom. Then Christmas Eve is usually uh, well, it's either my dad and stepmom or it's with my, my wife's family and. Um, and then Christmas Day, usually the best part of Christmas Day is Christmas morning because we, whatever we, uh, usually Christmas Day, we get together with my, my mom and stepdad. But that Christmas morning, we get that whole morning just to just kind of, yeah, we sit by, we sit downstairs by the, by the fireplace and with the tree and open up some presents and see what Santa brought. And um, that's, yeah, that's lovely and chill and laid back and uh, very much looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, so ours is a little crazier. It's a little running around. I mean, and and we have to do it. You know, Ben is the only is the only grandchild. So, um, you know, he makes out like a crazy Christmas bandit every year. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I, I do not expect for this year to be any different. So. <laughs> uh yeah so that's um yeah and that's uh, yeah that's that that's the holidays uh, you know we'll hopefully so yeah we we've been introducing ben now to a bunch of the uh classic christmas holiday specials um and that you know uh, watching santa claus coming to santa, the rankin and bass stuff which is which is silly fun um and uh yeah and then you also really like some of the modern stuff. Uh, apparently, um, this week they watched Bennett was enthralled by the country music television um, Christmas special with all these, you know, with all these all these country singers singing holiday songs. And that apparently was a huge hit around here. So nice. Yeah. But in general, I'd say I I just I'm not cynical about Christmas time. I really do like it. I like I don't like I'm kind of like Shauna. I don't like being out in too much fracas, but I do try and experience just enough of it, just a little bit of it so I can say that I did it. And you know, it's it's with all the COVID scares of recent years and stuff. This although this that's not in our totally in our history either. California is struggling with that because everybody's being social this time of year and it's causing some issues, but it, it's nice to, to feel a little like it's like it used to be again. Mm -hmm. Nostalgia mm -hmm. for Christmas is past <clears throat> and things like that. I mean, they're not all, they're not all great, but it, that's a powerful sort of drug that people get super into. And that's, kind of what this show is about and i try and be level-headed about it but i i do i'm susceptible to that i do like i do prefer the the television commercials this time here you know it's just stuff like that where it's like it, it it's i think it's a happy time and i don't i don't fight against it I let it slight let it flow. Slight digression. I agree with you, Ryan. Uh, the holiday commercials are always great, and I do love this time of year because it's really the only it. It's the only time that um, like multiple fragrance manufacturers like flood the airwaves with commercials. And as we all know, 
Uh, fragrance commercials can be like absolutely bonkers, make no sense. All you know, it's <laughs> a, be... from a marketing standpoint, it's a hard sell. <laughs> You're selling the yeah. smell of something. How do you do that on the radio? In a visual media, in a visual like, medium or an audio a, medium. Yeah, it's a challenge. And it was like, what would you do for love? And like, nah, you know, all these images, nah, bah. and it was like, Love Stank by Chanel, you yeah. know, and um. They hang uh, yeah, around hang. through Valentine's Day too. They don't completely go away like some. That's all. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. We will get some. We'll take a little bit of break during uh, Super Bowl season, and then we get uh, then we get bombarded. But I will take them. those over jewelry commercials any day. That's true. Uh, I I do not disagree. Or Lexus um, commercials. Uh, yeah. Who are these um, people giving each other free Lexuses for Christmas and like matching? Yeah, you know. And and if I, I don't was know giving, any of know, them, and if I was <laughs> giving I somebody a Lexus, if I was giving somebody a Lexus, I'd be like, just the car is enough. I'm not gonna slap a bow on it because I'm not gonna risk scratching the paint or anything. I don't want anything touching this thing if I'm giving you a Lexus for the holidays. And I would be, here's your Lexus. I'm gonna drive off in my Jetta. Yep. <laughs> here's a Lexus. I'm just going to take my medium price sedan on down the road. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, also, you know, Alexa, like if it's not Christmas, though, like what if it's Hanukkah? You can't you can't give uh, Alexis on like day three of Hanukkah. No, you because then what are you going to do for the rest of the days? That's got to be that's got to be a last day of Hanukkah thing. Because um, after be. that. Yeah. Then it was like. I uh, gave you the Lexus on day three and uh, four. You're going to get uh, chocolate gold, gold coins. Um, little basket. So it's a, it's a pretty steep drop off. And don't forget to work uh, a paper, some dreidels in there as well. Yeah, some dreidels. And then on day eight, it's uh, it's all about the latkes. We're just going to eat. We're just going to eat latkes and sour cream until we can't fit into our Lexus anymore. Um So, yeah. uh, And then, um, I mean, I was going to mention, you know, I was mentioning how uh, my son um, is big into the the country music television holiday spectacular spectacular. They were they were singing all sorts of uh, uh, all the holiday songs um, uh, of uh, of this, you know, just all of the holiday classics. Um, and uh, Ryan sent me this awesome, uh, this awesome visual of like all the greatest holiday songs and wow. when they were composed. It's the thirty most played holiday songs. Oh, I guess uh, sure. I don't okay. want to make any value judgments, and I believe they're all secular songs. So it's the thirty most played secular holiday songs. Um, sure. Because there's some religious ones that are played just right. Yeah, they're not there on, is they're no not whole... on the list. Yeah, and they tend to be there's... much much tend to be much much older um right but what this graphic showed and if you're watching the video we'll throw it up for you and when i first saw it because this there's a lot of little graphics to choose from we chose a very cool one that the washington post did um to share with you guys but the to give them the credit but the um, when the study first came out, it was a couple of years ago, somebody posted, make, kind of made a meme of it. And they said, at the bottom of it, they said, helping baby boomers relive their childhood since 1950 is what they said. 
and it, it it's an interesting graphic in that sense in that all of those songs really are from that exact same era they're all from the eras we're talking about the 40s and 50s and yeah. and 10 it, of the most ten, 10 of the most played uh secular christmas songs come from the 1940s and nine of them are from the 50s then it's a pretty big drop off to any other decade yeah and we've talked about this on the show before 1945 to 1966 is the 50s. <laughs> That's <laughs> it was it really is a whole the whole entire 8-year Eisenhower administration and and really until I don't know where we want to cut it off, but it, the you know probably um the Kennedy Nixon debate. We'll say that's where the 60s started. But that was well into the 60s is my point. So I will talk a little bit more about the 50s when we get to the to to my movie, the third movie. But I was stunned. I guess you have a theme to play before we get into movies. But it shows you that nostalgia is a big deal. Baby Boomer Generation was a big generation. These songs, like, you know, the 70s weren't a particularly good time for jazz standard vocal tunes. I mean, so there's that aspect of it, too. That is what we think of as Christmas. But it's a fairly mm -hmm. recent development that the sounds of the holidays are all just super concentrated in that one era. And it really is because year after year after year, the most populated generation in America wanted to hear all the songs from when they were kids again and again and again. That's, I think mm -hmm. that's only natural, but it's, there's all these decades later, it's still with us. There's only one from the eighties and only one from the nineties. Um, yeah. And well, guess and what those are. Yeah. Um, I mean, also like every artist, Every artist of of you know the the seventies and eighties re recognized that they could uh, they could make a lot of money real fast by doing an album of the songs written in the forties and fifties. You bet. Um, which is why uh, I saw uh, I, I, just because my son's a big Neil Diamond fan. Neil Diamond has five five holiday albums. And yeah, not not bad for for a, a young Jewish boy from Brooklyn, um, and uh, yeah, it's you know that's it's been it's five really... decades of Neil Diamond music, so it makes sense. Once a decade, yeah. that doesn't seem too extreme. Doesn't yeah, it doesn't seem, but it it does. It is a little bit like five five holiday. Now, to be fair, to be fair, some of them are you know he's rehashing some of the same stuff that he's recorded earlier, just in a nicer studio and stuff. Um, I that is a digression. Let's. Uh, what do you say we uh, transition this guy right into our discussion of our holiday and get into the holiday movie club proper? What you all say? Should we do it? Okay. All right, here we go, kids. The first rule of movie club is you talk about movie. Club. Second rule of movie club is you talk about movie club. There it is. My jingle bells did not quite go on long enough, and then they went on too long. I think that's that's there's a metaphor there for my holiday season. Got to roll with the punches, though. So <laughs> Got to roll with the punches. Oh, oh, oh. 
Um, all right. Our first up, first up is uh, an absolute classic, uh, stone cold classic of uh, Christmas movies. Uh, such a stone cold classic. It is played on a 24 hour loop um, come holiday time. Uh, and that is, of course, 1983's A Christmas Story. Shauna? <laughs> Thank you. Yes, A Christmas Story. Um, well, first of all, I'd like to say in 2012, uh, it was added to the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress because it was deemed culture- culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. It so, is. I think that's right. That's a good call by the registry. Yes, I agree. Very much so. And um, I think part of it is it shows such a part of America back in the 1940s. Uh, so it was shot in Cleveland, where I currently live. And so it's really fun for me to see. Uh, I've been to the house. I've. It's um, a museum now. The house... The house is a museum. There's another building that's a museum, and then there's a museum shop. Uh, so it's fun to actually. It's in an area called Tremont, and it looks overlooks the um, where the steel yards were. But uh, so it's interesting for me because I can actually see it as a part of America, as it is still now. Um, and it was based on a story by Jean. Uh, Shepherd, a book that he wrote in God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. Um, and they're a basically a bunch of anecdotes and, and monologues that they, some of which are holiday related, that they based the movie around. And then they took all his other best growing up, sort of coming of age things they could find, they could fit in there and just jammed them all in there. And right. Gene, if you've never read him or even better heard him speak on the radio, and you don't have to because he's the guy who does the voiceovers, voiceover in the in the movie, but he has this unique, um, like up here in Minnesota, we have Garrison Keeler, I guess, but there's a lot of these guys regionally that represent something about Americana, and he's as good as any of them. So Right. He's like Garrison Keillor with swear words. Right. That's right. That's a good, well said. Which I would say is pretty much, uh, it, it says it all about the difference between Minnesota and Ohio, Cleveland, <laughs> Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio is about as raw as you get. You know, people... All right, they don't mince their words and and they sprinkle the swear words in there pretty liberally. So it's fun uh, to see the difference also in that aspect since I grew up in Minnesota, but I'll come back to that. So this story is about um, Ralphie Parker and his family in at Christmas time in the 1940s. And it shows, it's just set as the lead up to Christmas. And uh, what it's really about is what Ralphie wants for Christmas. And he wants this, uh, it's, is it a BB gun? Red, Red Rider BB gun. The Red Rider mm-hmm. BB gun. So it's by the, designed by the Daisy company. That was a real thing. It was a real thing? Yep. Yeah. Well, some oh, yeah. of the stuff in it is made up, but that that is that very, was very much a real thing. So and so it, it is based on Gene's real desire to get this this present, right. which of course the advertising made it seem like 
you're just not a kid worth being around if you didn't have this gun and 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 who, what kid you know didn't want a bb gun when they were a kid joel you might be one who actually didn't but i bet you you did have a bb gun yeah i did not i did yeah. not the bb guns were were left to my brother and uh and i had i just really had no interest in a bb gun so i had two brothers and we had to share ours like everything else but that mm. other than that it it, it, it there is a you know, you get a little pocket knife, you, you step up to a BB gun. There's a weird masculine rite of passage that happens there. And well, and the fun thing is, is that this this, this kid gets obsessed with getting one. For this BB gun is the underlying story of this movie. Um, and it's fun because it, there are fantasy scenes where he's protecting the whole house against robbers you know and he's the one with the bb gun and the rest of the family including his father are all like what are we gonna do <laughs> and he's out in the backyard shooting robbers with his his bb gun so this this is kind of this underlying story is this quest for this christmas gift and how is he gonna get this and every time he tells somebody you know he, he wrote this paper that he thought the school paper that he thought was like the best thing that's ever been written and it's, yes to his teacher and it's about wanting this bb gun and and he then another time you know this he goes to higby's mall which is where the christmas scene was staged and asks santa for this bb gun and and at one point you know i think he i don't even did he ask his mom for it? It starts okay, kind of with him ask, telling his mom that's what he wants for Christmas. Mm -hmm. and, she, she, and every answer... She shuts it down right away, basically. To, what is it? You're going to shoot your eye You'll out? Shoot You'll your shoot eye your eye out. You'll shoot your eye out. So this is every answer that he gets along the way. But it's fun because almost every scene is about him trying to get this gun and trying to figure out who he can tell that he wants this gun and how can he get it? Um, mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a really fun, cute story from this kid's perspective. And it shows him going to school and his buddies at school. And then also the bullies at school and his home life. And it's just a picture of Cleveland in America in 1940 and the family is really funny the dad is this grumpy kind of manly dad guy that is always trying to fix the furnace and he's trying to you know uh put the spare tire on the tire on the car when it blows and all this and he he's kind of not he, very he good hates at the neighbor's that. dogs Okay. Oh, the Bumpuses, the Bumpuses dogs. The There's, Bumpuses. There so were a lot of people up for that that role, and Bob Clark, who who adapted and directed the movie, we talked about him before on the show a handful of times, more times than I would have thought we would have, but yeah. he's, he's a pretty talented guy. And this, I think this is his best movie, by maybe not by far, because he's got some really neat gems. But... um he he was said he was really really lucky that uh, this list of people like, I can't remember Jack Nicholson was on it you know it's people that was like 
you could see how they'd be good because they were good actors, but who he ended up with was Darren McGavin. And the parents, Darren McGavin and Melinda Dillon, they're not age, uh, super age appropriate for each other. I don't know when they would have actually gotten married, <laughs> but that's not so important in the movie. What they are are these great ar- archetypes of parents that we've known, that we've either had some version of this in our lives or we, our friends have or whatever. They really are a neighborhood family that you can almost instantly relate to even as a, a, a 11 year old in 1983, when I saw this in the theater, you, you just, you just totally know them. And I love Melinda on screen. I, I, we talk every time we talk about her, I say how much I love her because she's, it's hard to explain. She's goofy. She's different. You know, there's something about her. That's, that's not, just what you expect every time you get this weird, unexpected little things from her. And McGavin's awesome because he's just, he, even though he's a character actor, he, and maybe because he's one, he just, every time he does something, he just absolutely takes stage. There's entire sequences where, because it is from Ralphie's point of view, who's played by Peter Billingsley. He was, who people don't remember, was a minor celebrity already before he got cast in this movie. He was a co-host of That's Incredible, and he was on tons of TV commercials and was a ringer sort of guest star on different sitcoms and stuff at the time Mm -hmm. because he was a super cute kid. And they didn't even want to cast him in the movie. They they he was the first person that was thought of for it. And then they were like, no, they they eliminated that. And then they auditioned everybody else and they came all the way back to them finally. And it's hard. Again, it's he's a good actor and it's hard to imagine the movie without him. But I love, yeah. just wanted to say, I wanted to get those names in there and just say how much I love that family because it is from a design standpoint and from the innocent, the like a pre-World War II innocence of America is captured brilliantly in it. It really is. They wanted to not say what year it is, but it's clearly night, Christmas of 1940. You can figure it out mm-hmm. by the magazine covers and stuff you know um it's they're this universal family unit that i love and he has a little brother too of course which you yeah. gotta have randy yeah but i was gonna say um first back to the the dogs so yeah. in the movie ralphie is talking about these dogs because they he said these dogs don't listen to anybody but my dad and that kind of you know that's him the dad the alpha figure and ralphie's talking about it's the their bumpus you know their neighbors the bumpuses their hillbilly neighbors (laughs) have 785 smelly hounds and it's just hysterical to me again growing up in minnesota there aren't hillbillies in minnesota in Cleveland, there are hillbillies in Cleveland because Kentucky borders us from the south, yeah. you know, and Pennsylvania. And, and so in Cleveland, this is an actual thing. People here co- constantly tell call people hillbillies and the bloodhounds. It's, it's if yeah. you don't, if you're not from here, you don't understand this regional kind of reference. And mm-hmm. it's. And I never appreciated it ever until I watched it this time. And I was like, oh, this is so the reality still today, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know? 
this house still overlooks the steel yards. There are still hillbillies here that have bloodhounds. You know, it's these references are remarkable to me now, even knowing how much they really apply. I mean, this was Cleveland area. I love um, the you know you you, you talk about him being the the alpha even of the of the dogs uh, the, the dad because uh, one of my favorite parts is when he comes home and he's so excited that he's won the major award yeah, and yeah. he's like and he's like I won I won I won he's so excited and he's so happy he even just like he even goes to the door and sticks his leg through the door and he's like go at it come on come on you dumb dogs and he just <laughs> he lets himself be I'm I'm assuming humped or something by those by those hounds uh and just and he's like he just like yeah get go ahead he's like because nothing is gonna ruin his day and it just i i love that little part where he just goes over and he's like yeah that's right dogs you go go ahead and you you know uh it it may may, yeah that makes me laugh Uh, and then of course one of the dogs get their ears shut in the door Uh, (laughs) um that's a nice little button to that uh um yeah I, i mean it one of the other things I love about Christmas Story is is the uh, is how the movie captures, uh, and I think better maybe than any other film uh, is the multiple tactics a kid takes <laughs> when when trying to get that that one gift that is more important than any other gift. Uh, the, the you know, and uh, even at the very beginning when he was you know he just blurts it out the. You know, I want the what is it? The official Red Ryber carbon a carbon action two hundred shot range model air rifle, and and the mom's like, "Well, you shoot your eye out." And then he was like, that little moment where he's like, "Ah, why did I? I got. Uh, I mean, I'm just kidding. I mean, even though Schwartz is getting one, uh, yeah. <laughs> got to be more. And then what is about he? It? He starts leaving the advertisements around. Yeah, like that. <laughs> leaving the advert. Yeah, like position <laughs> perfectly positioning her magazine with the just the happens with the insert in there. Yeah. Oh God, I love that because yeah, I mean, even you know, as a kid in the in the late seventies, early eighties, I remember doing stuff like that, and um, oh man. Um, and the fun thing too is that. Um, it's a coming of age movie, very much so, because um, his father is really kind of the loud, gruff disciplinarian. And his mom is the sweeter, you know, she still is a disciplinarian, but not to the extent that the father is. And it's a coming of age story because it's when he realizes that his mom is a little bit on his side too so when he gets into the big fight with the bully and beats up the bully um his mom what's the bully's name joel we should get that on the record while flick he was he no was... flick is the friend yeah, uh Sc- schwartz no the schwartz is uh farkas scott farkas he's got a scott farkas and his little toady hat. The, yeah, and his little toady, I think, is Grover. Is that right? Now, um, hold on a second. Yeah, Scott. Well, oh, this actually says Scott Farkas. I always Farkas. thought it was Scott. Me too, but, but it's Scott Farkas and Scott Farkas and Grover Dill. Scott Farkas was voted, I think, third ever best uh, Christmas story villain. He beat. Well, the then Grinch, let's give it up. Though. He beat the Grinch. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. The I don't think the Grinch is, was like the Grinch isn't a villain. He goes, I kind of can't imagine that. 
Yeah, Zach Ward. Zach, let's give it up for Zach Ward uh, for being um, scut. It's a um, fun performance. He's a scary, although a bit cartoonish. He's a scary. He's a scary villain, and that that fighting back against the bully scene is super effective. And all the little games they play on each other. The the I when I was a kid, the most memorable scene in the whole movie. There's several, but was was when they goad their friend into sticking his tongue onto the lamppost outside when it's really really cold, which is something you should really never do. That is mm-hmm. not a that is not a urban legend or a myth of any kind. What happens in the movie is basically what happens to you. Yep. And yep. I, I don't know why yes. we thought, I guess because we're just idiot children at the time, but I just thought, oh my God, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. It's so mean. Yeah. Uh, and I love, uh, but I do love when, when, like, when all of that and stuff is happening and they the go back in. that lead to it is quite yep. brilliant yeah. and then once you know and then once it happens and, and they see they see poor flick out there waving his arms and all of the kids run to the like when the teacher leaves the room all of the kids run to the window except for uh uh except for uh flick uh no schwartz is out there waving it who's there waving his arm uh yeah flick is waving his arm so then it's schwartz and 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 ralphie and they're the only ones in there just sitting they're just sitting at their desks going hmm? trying to stay out of trouble yeah trying to stay out of trouble well because oh, i don't think they so that's what's neat about it that's what makes it just not a mean trick i don't think they knew what was going to happen either and i and they're nobody knew what was yeah and they're so their reaction to it is one of pure guilt and kind of awfulness yeah. which is great yeah your tongue will stick to it your, your tongue will stick to it and then you'll and then it, you'll just be able to pop it off and nothing will you know nothing bad's gonna happen certainly well, not gonna hire the call the fire department one of the kids' fathers told the kid your your tongue will stick to it and they were saying it and it was the i dare you to put your tongue on that i double dare you mm-hmm. i double dog dare you you know, I triple dog dare you. And it was went nobody- right from the double dog, skipping the triple dare to the triple dog dare. Uh, the breach of etiquette. But yeah, the effective of breach the of kids etiquette. Knew, none of them knew if it was true or not. So it was it was mm-hmm. truly a dare. And it was one of his friends. Yep. So but the thing is, is with the bully fight is that his mom then protected. Yeah him ralphie against his dad's wrath from this i mean uh, everybody was scared even the little brother was hiding underneath the yeah. cupboard because he What's thought gonna happen? his dad yeah, was gonna, gonna kill, kill ralphie <laughs> and so then his mom really diffused the situation and ralphie figured out oh wait a minute i have you know somebody on my side and that realization is a real coming of age understanding your parents moment Mm -hmm. and then, but then furthermore when everybody thought the dad was you know such a disciplinarian and he wouldn't do anything you know kind of fun for kids or anything ralphie on christmas morning opens up all his gifts and he gets all these ridiculous gifts you know his little brother is like i got a fire truck. I got a truck truck. I got a, a zeppelin. I got all these awesome things. And Ralphie opens up this bunny outfit. Awful. You know, like some gloves. Just nothing. Nothing good at all. And then his dad is like, 
Ralphie, what's that over there in the corner? And Ralphie goes over and he opens it up and it's this gun, you know, the BB gun that he's wanted. The mom didn't even know that the yep. dad got it. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of pulls out the super kind, sweet thing of a father kind of in the end too. It's such a... And she I, looks at him like, what are you doing? And he's like, I had one when I was a kid. You know, he like... He, even though he's not been sharing it with any of us, including Ralphie, he does get it. He gets it. it mm-hmm. It's a neat moment of connection between all of them, actually. It's we and, a- and I don't believe we ever hear dad say, you'll shoot your eye out. You know, the no. dad never shoots down the idea. No. It's everybody else. and and But, of course, Ralphie, it never occurs to Ralphie to go to his dad because that's not what you do or go to his dad to ask for this for his, for Christmas, because that's not what you do in the, in that, in the forties. Yeah. In the forties, you ask, you you know, you everything filters through mom for that. It's mom. It's definitely mom that washes Ralphie's mouth out with soap when he drops the F bomb. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a very mom and not a dad type of punishment. (laughs) Yeah. If memory serves. This movie is just fun because it's such a nostalgic yeah. trip down memory lane the mom says i'll give you something to cry about there's my mom used to say that to me and it's that's yep. this movie is just all around an americana american trip down christmas memory lane that that shot you like you just said it totally made me think of another moment of uh, melinda dillon moment which is awesome where um where she's like kind of yelling at the kids and blah 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 and they all go down the hallway and all you see is is melinda dillon in profile you know going what i'll give you some of the don't you look at me like that (laughs) yeah you know, we don't need to see the look because every every kid has had their mother say that to them. Yeah, uh, it's so good. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it it is it is iconic moment after iconic moment. Every single uh, we you know we didn't even talk about fragile. We didn't even talk about electric sex in the window. Uh, you know, yeah, which is a cottage industry now. Those lamps, they manufacture them and sell them, send them all over the world. And people buy them mm-hmm. and put them up as Christmas decorations. I have to tell you guys, those lamps, you see them all over Cleveland. Sure. Oh, I got, I would think, yeah. Even there's, there's this area, there's a city called Shaker Heights that has these big old mansions, you know, from Rockefeller area and, and Carnegie and all that. Because yep. that's where they were from. You know, they, they did business here. Yep. And drive down the road, these gigantic, beautiful, block-long old mansions, and there will be an electric sex lamp in mm-hmm. the window. It is just, it's it's funny. That is, I don't know where well, that comes from. That must be a, uh, from Gene as well, but that, that lamp is such a weird, it's <laughs> such a bravely absurd episode in this it's not like the movie's tame. It's got all kinds of surprises and unexpected goofiness in it, but that lamp raises it to a level of absolute brilliance because none of it makes any sense. He didn't seem to order it. He didn't seem to even enter a contest that he won. The whole thing seems like some weird plot to drive mom crazy that it like you got the crazy thing that you mm-hmm. didn't even ask for. And of course, that's why he loves it so much. Not because of the thing itself, but just because, because I won. won in this life of working class hardship. 
I won something. And it's you, you know. could have won a bowling alley. Right. Yeah. Well, how are they going to deliver a bowling alley? <laughs> they could deliver the meat, the deed. It's worth it's uh, worth yeah. mentioning that lamp because it really does. It really is yeah, uh, something else. It's iconic. That is the rabbit suit. Yep, in this no yeah. I'll I'll try to I'll try to tell the story quick. Years ago, um, uh, the Ordway Center, big theater here in the Twin Cities, uh, was doing a production of a Christmas story, the musical. Uh, and at the time I was helping out at the Ordway and I was helping out with the ad campaign and casting some stuff and everything. Uh, and I was on set for the day they were shooting the commercial. And the moment we, the moment the, the, the props department for uh, this commercial, uh, brought out the lamp, yeah. you would have thought it was the grail or it was the Ark of the Covenant or something. I mean, all of us who were that age were just like, Oh my God, it's the lamp. It is. And we're just like, it was this, it was this weird moment of onset of all of us. Like instantly we were all kids again, watching that movie for the first time, just at the sight of this lamp. Um, well, and, and it was, uh, yeah, it was great. You know, to explain it for people that might not have seen the movie yet. Yeah. It is a woman's leg. Yep. A very shapely woman's leg in a black stiletto with black fishnet stockings. Mm -hmm. And I would say, you know, as it goes up the thigh, it even shows like up to the butt. <laughs> the butt. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, Just disappearing but, underneath the lampshade up at the well, top. And basically. that's the yep. thing. So you see this and before they put the lampshade on, you're like, wow, ho, whoa. And then they put the lampshade on and it covers. They don't even know what it is. Until they put yep. the lampshade on and then they figure oh, it out. Yeah. It's a lamp. Yeah, it but but you get this very like this second shot of almost like soft pornographic lamp before they put the, <laughs> the shade on it. You know what I mean? It is like mm -hmm. the of, Whoa. And it's the tackiest thing ever. And you you understand why dad loves it and you understand why mom hates it all at the same time. And the battle, mm -hmm. the, the little subplot of the Battle of the Lamp is fantastic. Oh, it's it's so amazing good. for as modest a budgeted film as it is, how much period detail and how much they get out of that. The 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 journey to the mall to visit Santa is really wonderfully realized and they're the when the car breaks down, are they out getting their Christmas tree or something? I can't remember. Mm -hmm. what, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like just all of that from 1940 is so cool. And, and, and it's, I also think the other thing I don't want to let Christmas story pass by without mentioning is that Chris, Christmas story didn't bomb at the box office or anything. It was a modest hit. It cost 11 million bucks and I think it made 23, but it was by, it opened right before Thanksgiving and by Christmas time rolled around, it was pretty much out of theaters it played on HBO though. Joel and I do a series of shows about the, we saw it on HBO for the first time. I think largely mm -hmm. home video and HBO was how this film's legend grew. It wasn't so much. I think people who saw it in the theater really loved it. I did. And it wasn't even my kind of movie as a kid, but I thought it was hilarious. I was giggling through the whole thing. Even when I didn't know what I was giggling at, it has that sort of awesome comedic, and, and truthful energy to it. It's for but every it, It's legend has grown every year since to the point that, as Joel said, Turner Network made this holiday tradition where they air it 24 hours of a Christmas story. Mm -hmm. And 
And it really is. There's Everyone has their own, but it really is many, many people's. They will not let the holiday season pass by without streaming this or getting it in or, you know, giving it, giving it a play. And it's, it, it's not, a, it's no small thing to make something, to create something that ends up being worthy of that. Cause I don't think they had any idea that that's what they were creating at the time. They couldn't have known, you know, they, I knew mm-hmm. they knew the universal appeal cause they're not dummies, but that it would just all these years later, that it would just be considered an absolute classic. It's a and cult it, classic. I mean, it, it really is. And it, and it is. It is. It's worthy of that. It's a really, really great movie in that way. Hey, gang. Um, this is uh, a little. Uh, this is embarrassing. Um, uh, the um, uh, the audio version of this is going to be fantastic, but um, I forgot. Recording in progress. Oh no. Record. So we have missed the video version. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Oh, my Hi. goodness. Yeah. Um, we'll still be able to put the intro on this. Uh, if you were watching the video feed. Hi, welcome to the show, Joel and Ryan. You'll have uh, to, I'm Joel, Joel, you're going to have to create some, and, uh, some, um, yep. some uh, technical difficulty, like holiday related graphic for the beginning of that show. Yeah, I will. Well, so the video version will have the audio of everything that we just uh, yeah, that yeah. we just recorded and uh, it'll be a still. And, and I have to say um, the audio is all you guys out there in podcast land. That's where we make our money on your commutes and on your lunch breaks. Yes. Anyway, it's not yes. really with the video version. It's not. that. But so if, let's take a pause here because we're doing pretty good for time. Let's check mm-hmm. everybody's uh, thing. Let's look at Shauna's little setup that she's got and definitely take in mm-hmm. the hat since you're seeing it for the hat. first time. There's mm-hmm. a wire in it so it can be... Yeah, contorted in the, any way that you want. Mode. Yep, so <laughs> the twist. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so, and of course, Ryan uh, Rocket having his yearly uh, reindeer antlers. Um, they're not antlers like a reindeer. They are ran, uh, antlers of reindeers. Yeah, that's. It's, I told that story a, a couple meta. years ago when these yeah. showed up. I was like, hey, mom, when you're out at the dollar store or whatever, pick me up some antlers is what I said. And what she found was antlers that aren't actually antlers, but that are actually reindeer heads at the top mm-hmm. of these little things. And yep. I almost love them more because of that. So, yep. I agree. Uh, and I have my, uh, my holiday fedora to celebrate the movies of the 1940 that were, yeah. uh, like, but otherwise, well, I mean, it's not a movie of everybody watching the video. Uh, we had one well, you did miss us. that we threw up. Yep, you have uh, you, and I will throw that up when we talk about it uh, on, on the on the audio. <laughs> You'll have to version. throw all kinds of things up to keep the visual interest going. <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> I will. This is gonna. My afternoon is done. I know what I will be doing, uh, atoning for my error. Uh, so, uh, uh, vi- uh, so video people uh, who you know you're few, but we do thank you for checking out the video. Uh, uh, um, but I apologize for uh, this error and for people listening to the audio. Well, I hope you're laughing at Joel, uh, for his, um, for his incompetence and for getting hey, to hit. The we live in a button. zoom meeting world, you know, 
We do. Indeed we do. And everybody's done it. Forget to hit that record thing and Oh, uh, uh, is what I say to that. Uh, no, but here, that's funny. okay, that'll so make, let's that'll make this a, that's a special uh, holiday memory that mm-hmm. we always have. So just because uh, uh, you know, even though we've already talked about a Christmas story, and we'll do it again uh, just for the video feed. So, um, well, no, I can still throw that up. So we'll just uh, let's move on. Let's talk about our next movie. Uh, any any last thoughts on? Uh, I'm sorry, just I was so. Nope, I gave uh, any mine. last thoughts on? Yeah, I did. I did too, Shauna. This was uh, uh, I love that we were able to uh, that you were able to share this uh, being a resident of Cleveland and also um, the house and museum that is attached to it currently for sale. Yes. And I would also say I have I think I have some pictures when we went to go see the house and museum and I can forward to them them to you. Maybe if you put those up. Sprinkle I those Please. in. Uh, yeah. Oh, that would He'll be He'll take any visual aids he can get. He's got to fill up, what, 40 minutes of show with I do indeed. <laughs> I do indeed. Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. So, yeah, and, but if you're thinking, if you're thinking, oh, I'll just go buy the house, you should know that apparently the current owner of the house and museum has a very stringent screening process uh, and expects the home to go for eight digits. Ho, ho, ho. Yep. So he is uh, looking to, you know, he spent about, uh, I believe he's put in about $500,000 in it. And he's, uh, that's going to be quite a little profit to, to make. Well, but you get also- the. He expects it to be continued to be run as a museum. So yeah. if you want yeah. to buy it, to be preserved. Yeah. It is a it is a business investment, uh, not just a home. Anywho, okay. So our next movie, we are going to travel forward in time uh, to 1995. Um, to me, this is another movie um, about family at Christmas. Um, and that is ho, ho, ho. while you were sleeping, the movie that really gave us Sandra Bullock and made her one of maybe at the time America's most sweetheart. Um, yeah. yeah, I tell you, in in, in in sticking up for Sandra, it's it's hard to imagine many other of the stars of the time doing this role because it's the same as with Darren McGavin in A Christmas Story, they really tried everybody else before they went to her. She'd had some successes. She'd been in some things and been very memorable in them, but she wasn't expected to be able to carry a movie like this Mm -hmm. the way this particular character has to really do that. And it's an actorly role. She's not exactly... Her kind of quirky funness is in the part, but it's just it. She, it's this person's not like her, and that's fun. You, you really do get to see the creation of somebody from scratch that you really learn to care about. So sorry, I mm-hmm. cut you off there, but yeah, no, no, um, absolutely. Um, this, uh, you know, so this is the story of um, a young woman who who doesn't have a family at Christmas. Um, I mean, the, the plot, if you haven't seen it, is uh, Sandra Bullock plays a, uh, a Chicago Transit Authority, um, not now a member of the band, but uh, a, a, an actual Chicago Transit Authority worker. Um, and, and because she has no family, she's always working the holidays because she doesn't have, you know, her, her mom passed when she was a baby. 
and her dad, uh, her dad had rec has recently passed. So she is by all accounts alone, um, on the holidays. Um, and she has the, this, she has a crush on this guy that always comes through her station. Um, and, um, she, you know, she harbors, uh, dreams of, of somehow from behind the glass in her, uh, in her transit authority, uh, jacket, uh, wooing him. Um, and, uh, and she, um, yeah, yeah. And what happens is on Christmas, uh, she's, she's working and he comes, uh, played by Peter Gallagher, the handsome stranger played by Peter Gallagher comes on and, um, in a Peter Gallagher, uh, in, totally to cast a type. Yeah. Um, and he comes uh, and he's getting out, you know, he's going to catch the, catch the train. And, um, and he's in a mugging gone wrong. Uh, he accidentally falls onto the tracks and Sandra Bullock's character, Lucy, she runs and jumps down onto the tracks and is trying to wake him up and pull him in and ends up saving him um uh saving him from getting uh hit by the l train and um but, and then but he falls into a coma he falls into accident. a coma mm -hmm. yeah and then and, and then at it she's with him at the hospital and due to uh, it's really well written because this is this is mm -hmm. where the whole crux of the thing lies is in this scene an inability yep. to say things and uh one little wrong sort of misspoken thing none of yep. it nefarious none of it intentionally fraudulent her yep. his family comes to believe that she is his fiance mm -hmm. and they instantly adopt her yep this this family is is that is that classic absolutely everyone is slightly insane everyone is loud everyone uh, is just you know Peter. It's Peter Boyle. It's uh, uh, Glennis Johns and McCall yeah. uh, McCurio. They, they're performers. All, yep. Yeah, they're all. Everyone is big. Everyone is big. And um, and then but they the, have the but Godfather. The film really sells by, by the Jack magic Gordon. of a lonely person suddenly adopted into a family, and how mm -hmm. how that how that leads to the, all the farce that comes later because she, she doesn't want to be parted with that deep down. This is what she's always wanted. Um, yeah. but of course, you know, it's, unless Peter never wakes up, which it's not that kind of movie. And you know that from the beginning, this charade can't last. It's going to go bad. Right. You know, remember when, right. remember back in a movie club when we talked about working girl, or dare I say, and I better not say it, but Secret of My Success, where um, Secret of My Success is truly somebody pulling off a fraud, but Working Girl has that feel to it, like it's it's almost accidental what happens. It's never supposed to go this far. And it, and this movie has that kind of energy to it that is yep. that, that I really liked at the time. Uh, we'll talk more about the plot and what happens and especially bill pullman who we haven't even mentioned yet yeah bill pullman yeah, I mean, well, so the, of his era was the classic other guy usually the guy getting left behind in these sorts of movies mm -hmm. and this movie uh, has a nice reversal where the mousy less hot less personality dude actually the girl actually falls in love with him in a reasonably natural way for a 90s romantic comedy that you believe yeah. but well, but 
no buts yeah, about it. I, it's just kind of awesome. Um, yeah, so the, the story already has the ticking clock, the ticking time bomb of yeah. at some point, Peter will wake up. Uh, Peter Gallagher's character, whose name is also Peter. Um, Peter will wake up and this whole ruse will be, uh, you know, will will be discovered. Um, and then the added complication is uh, is the 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 brother, um, uh, Peter's brother, Jack, played by Bill Pullman, um, who wasn't at the hospital, who wasn't there to hear all of this yeah. um, and who also seems to have a slightly better beat on what is actually going on in his brother's life mm-hmm. um, is suddenly like Lucy. That's not fiance. What? That's not his fiance. No. What? And so he's he's skeptical. And so he's kind of like the detective trying to figure out uh, it sometimes to uh, hilarious circumstances, hilarious uh, consequences uh, like the Joe Fusco Jr., your boyfriend. (laughs) Um, And. uh, you know, so he's he's suspicious of everything that is going on, um, and it's uh, really charming. But all of this, of course, leads to Jack and Lucy uh, falling in love, which adds more complication because here's Lucy, who said that she is the fiance to this guy in a coma, um, and then uh, but really she's starting to develop feelings for the brother, and then the ticking time bomb goes off. But instead of a explosion of this is all wrong. What does Peter do? Peter goes, yes, I think I am going to. That is my fiance. I am going to marry her because he wants to turn over a new leaf. Because Jack (laughs) Warden, who plays the Godfather, essentially says, you're a schmuck and you need to change your ways. I would marry Lucy if I were you. And Peter's like, yeah, you know what? I think this is the right move. I've had this life altering experience. And so Lucy has to decide, am I going to go through it? You know, do I go through with the marriage? Do I say how much I love the, you know, and, and therein lies the complications of this uh, romantic comedy. Um, But it is, but at its, you know, so it's, yes, it's a love story. Yes. It's a romantic comedy. It's very fun. But to me, the movie is about family and that connection to, to family that you've never had, the family that you choose, the family that you get put in. And and, um, and when you don't have that, um, that uh, and it's, it's that part of your heart that is empty and then to suddenly have it filled and to be filled overflowingly uh, like this, um, it is, it, it's almost drug-like. And I think that's what we... That's what the movie is saying is is that it's easy to get, you know, and it, and it goes against a lot of the movies, especially at the time that were coming out about all, you know, oh, it's just so shitty when you have to be around your family at the holidays and family, you know, family get together suck and they ever just ends up fighting, which sadly is true for a lot of people. But here's a movie that says, you know what, if you don't have family maybe the best thing at the, you know, the holidays can be your family. And, and, and if, and to, to suddenly get a family where you had none, maybe, maybe that is the gift that you got along the way. There's also a lesson in it about the difference between thinking, imagining yourself in love, like the, the idea of it and how seductive the idea of it is 
and how complicated again the film's a pretty superficial romantic comedy it is but but nevertheless it demonstrates what actual what an actual relationship that has a shot in hell of working is in contrast to this thing that you know you never know but it's it's it, it's a fantasy and it, it isn't it isn't there isn't anything to it and and I I like that contrast a lot. Roger Ebert said when he was watching it that it was a really great warm-hearted movie and that his great line which he always has these great lines is even as it was barreling towards its happy ending I was shocked to find out how much I was still enjoying it because <laughs> of course yep. he watched he watched every one of these when they came out. And, and- I don't like romantic comedies. Yeah, guys. I know. That's why I know. It's fun that I know. We have you for this. So. No, but yeah. I like this movie though. Yeah. And um, I think the reason I don't like romantic comedies is because they're fake. Yeah. And I don't find it funny that much, you know, often. And this one I would say is the least superficial romantic comedy that I can remember watching because there is such a realness that it's all based on. And it's these themes of, okay, do you love somebody because he's good looking and he smiles at you and he wears a nice suit and all of this? Or is it, you know, the other brother who is much more like you in every way? And I mean, it makes you look at what do you, what are you falling in love with and family mm-hmm. at Christmas time? This couldn't have happened at, on 4th of July. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, it yeah. is about family and, and that's what Christmas really shows the getting together of family. I, I found myself liking, I had seen it when it first came out and I didn't really remember it, but I found myself really liking it this time and like, Oh, you know, and, Sandra Bullock plays a great, just down to earth for the most part, natural kind of woman. And I really enjoyed watching her. I really enjoyed watching Bill Pullman. I really enjoyed that Peter Gallagher was asleep for three fourths of the movie. And you see him with his (laughs) eyes closed the whole time. And all of a sudden he wakes up and it's all eyes and black (laughs) eyebrows. And it's like, well, you know, every time <laughs> yeah. it's like, wow, he's awake. Yeah. No, he fundamentally understands at that point in the story, he is a total foil. And that uh, contrast is a great actorly thing because he's, he's not that kind of actor. He's actually a pretty subtle a- actor in real life. And he just is so animated and having such a good time in this film. And it's, it's infectious and fun for all mm-hmm. of us to see him doing that. So I agree. It, uh- yeah, uh, and uh, go along with what you you said, Shana. I mean that it's all that's the gift of Sandra Bullock, especially in this movie. Is all of that is all right there on her face. She knows what she's. She knows that she has to tell the truth at some point. She knows that if she doesn't, it's going to blow up and possibly hurt this family. She right. knows all of that, and yet she can't bring herself to tell the truth because the the warm feeling that she has that has been missing for so long is just is so strong and and also she just keeps getting interrupted she just you know the world is conspiring against her to to, against her telling the truth um to where it gets yeah 
Yeah. And, um, you know, and so it has it, it really. Yeah. I mean, it's a lovely film. It is. You know, this is not uh, you, you know, I, I'm not going to this isn't high art. Uh, this is a romantic comedy, um, but it is uh, to me, it is a lovely holiday film. Um, it gets to the core as some human things that are really neat. It does it in a fun, farcical way, you know, mm-hmm. you know, but it and 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 even in respect to the films around it, the other romantic comedies of the 90s. That was the the you look back on them that was yep. the the apex of that kind of filmmaking we had yep. uh an enormous amount of the very very best ones all come around at, at that sort of time which was neat it was neat to be a young person and have date movies of that kind that you could go to pretty much repeatedly and to have them be written by and directed by and worked on by people who really cared about really good storytelling because they it's very soon after, really by the late nineties, it didn't last very long. You, you were getting into the formula was there, but the thing that Shauna said that she hates about him, this, this sort of emptiness, it's a game that's being played on you. And as long as we're all willing to play the game, okay, no harm done. But the idea of where's, where's that human element all you need is a little bit. You don't need a lot. We know these are all fantasies, but where is it? It has to be there. And when it isn't, they're they're the worst movies in the world to sit through. Maybe maybe really awful horror movies are worse, but No, I'd rather watch awful horror movies. Yeah, movie. I mean they're the worst movies to sit through when they don't when they feel soulless. And this movie's that. all about soul. That's the part that mm-hmm. it just sort of nails. And I, I don't and it's hard, it's easy for me to say, Oh, we'll just have a soul, you know, in a movie. It, I, I'm sure people have tried to do that and just not made it right. But yep. this film has a lot of soul. Ebert's reaction to it is it was Shauna's is the same. And it was mine is the same. I was like, I haven't seen it since it was new either, for, except for these purposes. And Joel kind of brought it up, but then he wasn't sure if it fit. And I kept thinking, I don't know. We're all pretty nostalgic. At least our generation now are pretty nostalgic for, whatever sleepless in seattle all those films that came out Mm -hmm. during that era and so it fits in that way and i think you're right it is a holiday movie shauna's right he couldn't it it couldn't be a easter movie it had to be Mm -hmm. it had to be christmas time where where that togetherness is so meaningful and where the loneliness is so profound both Mm -hmm. you feel that in it family you know thanksgiving it's close, kind of tight, connected. Seem that odd, but I mean, Christmas, you're not inviting people from outside of. It's not friends generally, yeah. if they unless they don't have family. Right. You know, I mean, this is Christmas. It it really it boils down to Christmas in this one. It's a yeah. good pick. I'm glad we stuck with it. Uh, I really yeah, enjoyed yeah. it. Um, well, let's let's move on to our third and final movie club film. Ho, ho, ho. And that is uh, the light and fluffy uh, <laughs> romp through uh, New York and at Christmas time. The hilarious. <laughs> uh, no, it, uh, it is the uh, wonderfully dramatic I, Todd Haynes movie from yeah. 2015. Carol. Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, uh, Sarah Paulson, Kyle Chandler. Um, yeah, 
Ryan. Yeah, let's little... get a couple things on the record before we launch into this. Yeah. The, who wrote the novel, The Price of Salt? Highsmith? Uh, Patricia Highsmith. Highsmith. Yep, The Price of Salt. And, so, this, and, um, so something yeah. to know about Carol before we talk about, obviously, is a film made, takes place in 1951. And the 1951 of the world, we're going to talk about the, the contrasts that are in it because, because especially at the start of the onset of the film, Christmas in Manhattan in 1951 is a magical, beautiful mm -hmm. thing. Like, and it, the film really, really captures that in a, in a glorious way. Um, but Patricia Highsmith wrote this as a contemporary piece. And I think it's important to know that it came from an author who was writing this in the time that the film takes place, even though we're taking a film that looks back at that time you know, all these years later, because this was a book that was so good that they tried to make it into a movie many, many times. But the politics of getting a movie like this made were were tricky and they were even tricky in 2015 when they were making it. But at least then you could you could do it. Um, And Phyllis Nagy, who adapted the screenplay, and it's a tough one. It's a tough adaptation. She's a not just a, she's a great screenwriter, but she's a filmmaker in her own right. And so. That trilogy of people, Todd Haynes, Phyllis Nagy, and Patricia Highsmith are really where the, the thing it comes into being. Um, it's easy for me to sit here and say how awesome it is because it was the best-reviewed movie of 2015. It wasn't nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, but it got a bunch of Oscar love, score, cinematography, uh, actress for Kate Blanchett. Um so it's a prestige film. It's uh, we're talking about it now because I think it fits the theme, but but also because I really regret that we that I didn't do it for last year's show. But look, everything has a a reason. I didn't do it for last hey. week. I didn't think of it last year to my shame, and now we have it for this year. So it kind of worked out. Um, Carol's a story of a pretty modern woman for 1951 a, a young woman who's uh educated and smart and wants to be a photographer and a photojournalist i guess even more significantly and she's a great photographer but she wants to be a photojournalist who is to make ends meet in the big city is working uh the counter at a department store a fictional department store i can't remember what it's called but it's very much the macy's of of Christmas time in the fifties is what it evokes. And one day, uh, a very classy, um, woman comes in looking to buy a present for her daughter and they have this really neat, she, she, she's walking through and looking at this incredible old 1951 display of toys and things and vintage stuff. And she's taken by the, by the, uh, train set. And, like a good salesperson, even if it is just your day job, <laughs> Rooney Mara's characters, you know, notices that and, and convinces her there's no reason you can't get your daughter a cool train set if that's what you think. Mm -hmm. would be cool. um, well, and I, I, really quick, Ryan, I think it's good to point out here, too, is that Rooney Mara's character said how much she loves train sets and right. had loved them, you know. Yep. And so it's saying as a young girl and as a young woman, I still love train sets. Yeah. It's, and it's a film. This is a subtle way that the films and the book foreshadows that this is a movie about 
there's tremendous amount of roadblocks that come up in the face of this relationship, as you would expect. And this is a movie about um, bucking those conventions and, and overcoming that to the degree that you can. And what a truly difficult thing that that is. And, um, and if I may speak really yeah, quick. So you bet. Yes, it's, it's a love story between two women. Right. And in, at that time, and this job, this movie does a really good job of showing where women are in the society in general. In general. You know, they don't have a lot of power. Yep. Mara's, uh character wants to become a photographer, but she's always kind of on the outskirts of what the men do. Yep. And so it shows not only... I mean, women in general didn't have a chance to live the lives that they wanted to or could have or anything, but then you throw in a lesbian relationship and that is complete taboo. I mean, it's an interesting. Yeah. Kate Blanchett's character is, 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 does her best. You can feel it in her life. She has a daughter. She's married to a man. She's, she really is trying to take a less resistive path in her life because she she's been convinced or she has convinced herself that that's that happiness and contentment lies in doing that and yet her own nature kicks in there's clearly she's had an affair in the past um that caused them all kinds of problems she's in the middle of a divorce now that's kind of related to that and it's an in, it's super inconvenient time for her to find love and these two people are so different their personalities and stuff and yet whatever that is i try not to bring it up too much on the show because i don't think it's something you can plan right or give anybody credit for <laughs> so it's what's the point in discussing yeah. it but the the dare i say the chemistry between the two of them is palpable in the film and you really you believe in their relationship, not just you believe it's real, but you, you, you want it to be, you, you, you feel that, that unstoppable force of them coming together and you really root for that deep down. At least I did when I was watching it, it reminds me, and this is a little side anecdote before we kind of get into the little bits of plot here about Carol, but Carol it is that it's a deeply nostalgic movie. The cars, the music, the fashions, all that stuff is so richly realized. And yet, well, and this, that leads to what I was going to say, which is I was at, um, Joel at their old house used to have these outdoor patio birthday parties for um, yeah. their kid. And I, I'm pretty sure this happened at one of those. You had other patio get togethers. Maybe it was one of those, but I think it was a birthday party and it was um, uh, your wife's parents that I was sitting with because I know them, and I, I, mm -hmm. and they're the only people I knew, so I gravitated toward them in the patio, so I didn't have to be around strangers because I'm scared of people. Yeah, and uh, and they're talking. We were talking about TV because Jen's uh, Jen's dad was watching everything. It was the this was. Yeah the Sopranos and whatever, this is the golden age of television. And he, he's watched every show and he's just rattling them off. Have you seen this? Well, have you seen this? Ryan, you like TV shows. Have you seen that? Have you seen this? Have you seen this? And the show that came up was, um, right as, right as, uh, Jen's mom's coming to sit down next to us. <laughs> the show that comes up is Mad Men. And, mm -hmm. and she, oh, God, I hate Mad Men. <laughs> and I was like, 
<laughs> and he's kind of like, oh, no, Mad Men's really good. And I'm doing the same thing. I'm like, yeah, how can you hate Mad Men? That's a really, really good show. And she's like, I just, I hate that whole period and, and blah, blah, blah. And they're, this, they're all getting dressed up and having parties. And these stupid idiots have no idea what it was like back then. And she's just like, her vitriol <laughs> at the place of women in society in the era that is yep. absolutely fully admit romanticized in Mad Men even though Mad Men's a, a show with really strong female characters they still uh, by it's very what it is to have to take a back seat in the story and they do um, but she's she had a really good point that I had not thought of and that I always should keep in mind that that yeah it, it is beautiful and it, it there is it is romanticized so you do fantasize about a life in a time like that without considering what the racial politics or the sexual politics are <laughs> right. especially if you're a dumb white guy like like me and Jen's dad are we just were watching that show without even thinking about that even and and the show even gives us an excuse not to it has Elizabeth Moss's character is a very enlightened and you know what I mean very like mm -hmm. high-minded character, very much like Rooney Mara's in, in Carol, and but it, but Carol brings it home because Carol is about women, as Shana correctly points out, and just being a woman in 1951 is enough. And the, the really the movie is as much about that as it is about a forbidden lesbian relationship between the two of them. They go on a road trip together. Just, you know, that fantasy that of escape, escaping this. If we could just be alone, if we could just get away from our problems, then our, our this, what we are, could be our focus. And, of course, for one glorious moment, it works, that, that idea, but it just, you, there's no place. You can't, if you're a lesbian woman, you can't escape 1951. And it, even the way that they would go to hotels and yep. it was like, we'll have two standard rooms. Yep. Well, why don't we have the presidential suite if it's such a good deal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they had to protect their identity as lesbians, not just from Carol's husband, but from, from everybody at large. From every stranger. Why are two these two ladies traveling together? You know, right. it, it's not unprecedented, but it, it makes everybody, you know, it makes all these weird people, especially out in the country, give them this sort of side eye and stuff. And if you look at Carol's husband, um, you know, the Harge. Yeah. I, just, I love that name of all the, like, I was like, Harge. Harge. Played by Harge Kyle Chandler. Really difficult role to play. And, mm -hmm. and really, he absolutely gets to the heart of because he's lashing out in really harsh ways and is very much of a villain in a dramatic sense, but it's all coming from the fact that he really does seem to be in love with her and he is really desperately heartbroken and hurt and ashamed and lashing out at her for those types of reasons. But it's not even lashing out at her. He's controlling her. He's controlling this her. More right. than lashing out. This is not just, I'm mad at you. I'm mad no. at you. It's, no, I, I need to control the situation. It's true. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, he's trying to control it. He's not controlling it, well, but he is he's, doing well, everything he can to. He's, yeah. he's, he gets the upper hand on her in every way that well, he, he needs to in society yes. at the time. Yes, that, yes. Thing, guys, guys, 
here's the thing is that is a man controlling a woman, which is in that era. And it's not even that she's a lesbian. It's a man controlling a woman and he can, and he knows it and he uses everything, yep. including taking his daughter away from her yeah. right, as a man against a woman. And you know what? And, and it goes to, hold on. It goes mm-hmm. to in society as it is, even now you look at Kim Kardashian and Kanye West and how he held the kids over her head and everything. It, it is, a man controlling a woman and they may say they love this person so much. Yes. So you're doing this out of love. No, no you're doing yep. this out of control. Control. Yeah. Ego, that's, that's what and, I was going to say. And, yeah. And, 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 you know, but I do think he plays that the hurtfulness, his anger comes from a very real place, which I think is hard to pull off mm-hmm. when, when what you're doing is manipulating the system around you to, yep. to really damage very, somebody we care about. His yep, acting was great. He was very subtle in many ways, which made it even more. Yeah. I mean, I believable. Great yeah. job. Great job. And yeah, I you can meet yeah. him in this type of role. You know, usually he's like the football coach or, you right. know, whatever. Right. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. He, and he, yep. that's where he makes his bones now. He plays yeah, a lot of very gonna... charismatic and inspiring people. And so this is a totally mm-hmm. different journey. Right. Good hearted people versus yep. a man that is trying to control a woman in the worst. Yeah. Way. It, it, it's it's very much that. Well, I love you. Or this is what I think love is. I love you. And if I can't have you, no one can. And I will destroy you. Uh, if, if I can't, if you won't, if I can't love you the way I say, I'm going to love you. Yeah. And yeah. So it's, which is what's more manly than that, unfortunately. (laughs) And you know, and even more out to finish this line, it, she only without spoiling the details, she only, there's more to it than this. She opens up and is truthful with him, which, which, breaks down at least a small barrier that needs to be for there to be any resolution between these two people. She's the brave person who does that, but she only gets any semblance of what she wants most of life by completely surrendering to him. Yes. Giving up her dot. Well, yeah, sorry. Did it... <laughs> uh, by completely sorry. surrendering to him. No, you, yeah. it's okay. It, it, yeah. it, I see. Up her daughter. Yeah. Like I'm not saying that, but that, but yes, she, she, in a, it's in a way that you don't expect. I really think the surprising part of it, I, we're not spoiling, which is she does it in a way that you don't expect. And it, and it, and it does, you do feel like things are going to be, if they're not going to be great in that situation ever, they're going to be better than they have been because. Definitely because, and I would say giving up almost everything except this one condition and if you don't do this it will get ugly yeah she now has the upper hand on him he can't do anything more to her without without this scandal being the whole thing and it which will bring him down yeah mm-hmm. so it's, it's hand, which is interesting and i, I was gonna but say, it's more than she just has better cards in that moment it's that she she goes out of her way to give him what he actually wants which is if not total control uh some semblance of control so some way to declare victory on his part and because she opens up for the first time 
She doesn't deny everything. She says how things are. She opens up. It's just a heartbreaking, amazing scene for that character. Mm-hmm. Because but it's it's all that her, stuff in one. She opens up herself to the lawyers completely. Yeah. To him, he already knew. He knew the whole time that she was a lesbian. But he, you can tell but he's I, you can I tell he's that. moved by it to the point oh, yeah. that he that he well, sees the he wisdom in it. But Ryan, the thing is, is that he doesn't win anything. She gives him almost everything. So it satisfies this. But he doesn't win because she's going to go forth and live her life as an authentic person, which is a lesbian. And he can no longer control her. He hasn't won anything. As a matter of fact, she holds the last card above his head. You try anything more, it will get ugly. Mm -hmm. And I was going to say, it's interesting with this, you know, women, not just lesbian women, but women and looking at a Christmas story and it's the mother too. I I was thinking this as I was watching this and you watch the mother in that one where, you know, she's quietly holding her feelings in when her husband goes down and beats up the furnace and holds in her feelings when the fuse goes out and the tree can wobble holding her feelings in when this leg lamp which is like a direct competition with women is being installed in her house but then she breaks the lamp and it's like but you look at women's place in society in these two movies and it's very similar but it's and in a way it is kind of what it's about you know families and and in a Christmas story in women's place in society, while it's not directly about that, but it's part of that. The it family lives and breathes that. in that movie. Definitely. You're right about right. that. Mm-hmm. Whereas Carol, that is what it's about. Yeah. And yeah. I would say, interestingly, sorry, you guys, I'm taking, no, 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 but, um, Carol is really hard for me to watch. Cause I find it incredibly depressing. Oh yeah. Um, and I was trying to think, I was like, okay, it's a Christmas story. Well, it, <laughs> you know, it, it's Christmas in Manhattan in the beginning. And yeah. then you don't really see much about Christmas, but going back to then, uh, while you were sleeping and we, you know, really pointing out Christmas being about family and Sandra Bullock didn't have any family and she became a part of this family. And that's really, you know, the heart of that in Christmas But Carol is too, it shows the loss of her family, the loss of her daughter, the loneliness. And it is Christmas in that way too, showing the very sad side that is Christmas for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It really is a Christmas story. It was just interesting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you know, and and to, you know, extrapolate to extrapolate this out, she is going to be spending every Christmas now without her daughter. That is, that's the choice that she she's making. Um, you know, and but and, she uh, doesn't give up her daughter completely. Her daughter is the no. thing that is the one weapon that her husband has to use against her finding happiness with another person. Mm-hmm. You for a brief time you believe in that happiness even when it all falls apart and you even yeah. when they they're separated you sort of believe in their individual journeys the film gives you plenty of reason to hope that 
they've come to a place where in whatever compromised way that this society will allow that they'll be able to right they'll be able to find something or at least try and find something together which i think is that's a that's as hopeful a place as a story like this could possibly end right yeah but yeah it's true it 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 it, it's true she's getting the the holiday thing is really showing you this sort of i don't want to call it idyllic because that's not right but from an imagery standpoint, it really does. It's such an idyllic, uh, it's utterly nostalgic and beautiful thing that mm-hmm. she cherishes. Actually, you can tell by the, the decorations and stuff, but you can also just see Kate Blanchett. Obviously, is we talk about good performers on here, and we talked about a bunch of the show, but she's she's beyond. Mm-hmm. You know, re- she's just a really, really amazing performer who's who who brings so much to this to that part in this movie but i i love carol i admit i don't crack it out every christmas to get the christmas spirit going (laughs) but it was a it was a little movie at the time that i expected i would admire and hoped that i would like but it was and there were a lot of good movies that year spotlight came out that year won the oscar Mm -hmm. room room came out that year with room is one of my all-time favorite films um, but Carol's right. It's every bit as good as those. It's right up there with them. I really, really think it's an amazing story. I'm very, very well told and sensitively told. That's about a lot of issues without ever becoming a, a, a an issue movie. It's really a specific story about this specific experience between these actual people. Um, yeah, yeah. That's that's the magic of cinema to me, and it it, it pulls it off just incredible. And I think it's I think it's such a good movie that it made me so sad, and it's hard for me. Oh to yeah, watch. it is yeah. an excellent movie for that reason. A movie doesn't have to make you happy to be good. I don't think it made me incredibly sad, and the performances were amazing. I thought that uh, Rooney Mara. It gave a spectacular performance in this. I would argue that she was the base of this movie. I she's think got the she, harder, harder role, and she's bravely underdoes everything, you know. But as mm-hmm. you said in about Sandra Bullock, a totally different kind of piece with a totally different kind of tone. But on, on Rooney's face, there's always something happening. Sometimes she's not even letting us know what it is, but it's there. That inner light that burns in her is really, really powerful as a performer. And, it's and it is kind of her story. I agree with you. It's very unaffected, her performance in this. And I would say with Kate Blanchett, it is a very affected performance because it does show so much of what is expected of women and how they move and how they present themselves and, and and that in her in society at her level that's what it is so in a way that is fake and so she does nail that really well but with Rooney Mara I, I just felt like it was so natural and unaffected and with her like nothing that she did felt like it was thought about in acting. She was their first, again, she was their first choice and she said no to it twice, which is stunning Mm. to think she had just finished dragon tattoo and was exhausted and read it and thought it was good, but just couldn't imagine doing it. 
and then because of some other delays having to do with some other things, they 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 were starting later, and Haynes really wanted her and asked her again, wrote her a nice letter, and she said, yes, 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 I want to do that. I should have said yes before. <laughs> I just was in a totally different headspace. <laughs> yeah. So it, there are times it, it's one of those times sitting, where it worked out, you know. Right. When she was sitting, um, they show it, it's the same scene in the beginning and in the end of the movie, and she reminded me of Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. So oh, much. yeah. It is there. It's remarkable at times. It was, it was just really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a sad, but wonderful, uh, wonderful movie. It is, it is not a light holiday romp, but it is no, but absolutely it, a movie worth seeing. It's worth, need- it's, it's a tale worth telling and it's a, and it's really, really, uh, it's it's enjoyable in the sense that you ain't gonna be bored. No, and it's and it's involving. It brings out the yeah. Emotions. Invol- that's that's a better important. word. Thank you. It, it that's it, the better it's word. It's two things. It's really just an involving human story that is touching and moving tremendously, but it's also it's it's got a bit of that um, Sue storming in out on the patio telling you why Batman <laughs> is bullshit, and it has that's that. True. It's that kind of slap in the face, especially to those of us who need it and remind it. But Shauna, not nearly as much as us, need, needs to be reminded of that. But we do. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think it's good for cinema to do that. And it's extraordinary yeah. for it to do it with as, with as much heart and, and as bravery and honesty as that film. Right. Right. It's Yeah, yeah it's easy to, to tell us and to beat, to, you know, beat an audience over the head that this but, is how and it's crappy easy for it was. Us, it's but, easy for us to be liberated and to think the right things, mm-hmm. but it you you should have to feel it a little bit. That is really right. how you yes. change and how you grow is you you feel it. You gotta That's feel it. Yeah. People learn. You know yeah. what I mean. You can't just say something to them or, like you said, Joel, beat the, them over the head with it. Sure, you'll know that, but and kind of think, oh yeah, that's right, but you won't think it when you look at everything mm-hmm. from that time, but when you experience it through Carol or something like this, right. you really live it like, wow, okay, this is what they're talking about. Yeah, And then absolutely. I bet you'll notice it more when you watch Mad Men. Mad Men. Mm-hmm. I think it's still there. I certainly it's probably will. very subtle, but you'll notice it much more now. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. How, how are we doing on time? Because with uh, me screwing up, all my timers are all messed up. No, we're fine. Uh, let's. I mean, we're fine for the little. Let's go out with a bang. I guess is what I'm saying. All right, here we go. We're gonna do a little holiday ho 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 hot take. Let's get some hot takes. 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 There we go. Um, All right, here we go. I'll throw out a hot take here, and then uh, the two of you can uh, give your thoughts on it. Um, We talk. uh, We have talked a little bit in the past and previous shows about toxic fandom, and you know, Star Wars fans who just want the want the story to be told their way, and and uh, and Marvel Universe uh, and and DC Universe, of course, have their toxic fan bases. Uh, Jack Skellington from Nightmare Before Christmas is a perfect example of toxic fandom. Jack Skellington is a toxic fan as he makes Christmas 
his entire identity five minutes after discovering it and then ruins it for everyone else. Does he, though? I or I would argue with the second part of that thesis. Does he ruin it for everybody else? Well, he does, you know, have these scary-ass presents that he puts under the trees for kids. That's, and, uh, that's true, but... A wreath that will eat you. That's true, but it's not. He's not punishing people because he's not getting his own way. Although this, although I guess he, he just doesn't think he's punishing people. He, he's right. really like a cat who's leaving a mouse under on your pillow. He means so well by it, and it's so obvious the pride and and you know what I mean, and the that goes with the action that it, that. <laughs> I, yeah. I Although you. I think Here's this is a now. brilliant. I love hot you. Take. Here, oh, I do love you. I will. I love you so much. I will share this animal that I killed for you. That's a. That's a really good. I. I. I like that take good. on this hot take. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shauna, you have thoughts on uh, on Jack Skellington as toxic fandom? I am super embarrassed to admit this, but I'm not even really sure what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, uh, it's fair. a stop motion movie where uh, Halloween icon like is so uh, lonely at Christmas that he sort of takes over. It's oh. a Tim. It's a Tim Burton animated oh, movie. It's really pretty gracious. cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So who's the fan? The toxic fan. Jack. Skellington. Well, they're just saying Jack Skellington is a perfect example, like the lead of guy toxic in. Of toxic fandom and that he discovers Christmas and makes it his whole identity and then gotcha, ruins gotcha. it for everyone. Kind of like someone who like decides that I uh, I am the 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 definitive Star Wars voice and I am going to tell everyone that this is how it should be. And if Star Wars is not going to be what I say it is, then it is crap. Um, gotcha. uh, all right, next next hot take. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> I do like this one, Clarence. From It's a Wonderful Life, didn't deserve his wings. It's a Wonderful Life is a crock. Clarence can see everything from heaven, but doesn't see Mr. Potter swipe the $8,000? He could have outed that rat bastard and spared George the 90-minute mind bleep. No wonder it took that, that guy, I'll, I'm censoring now, no wonder it took that guy 200 years to get his wings. I mean, yeah, I don't think that uh, the only part of that I disagree with is that the, the journey of our hero is 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 isn't needed. It is needed. We just just moments ago talked about it. And Carol, you need to take the journey sometime. That's what it's about. But is Clarence a pretty crappy angel, guardian angel? Yeah, he is not the best, but. I don't know. Lord works in mysterious mm -hmm. ways, Joel. It, it all it 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 he he was sort of the perfect man for this particular job as well. So I don't know. John, but, thoughts on Clarence being a crappy angel? You guys are never going to invite me back on the show because <laughs> you've never you've never <laughs> seen oh, It's a Wonderful I've Life never either. Seen it's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> oh, I thought I, I'm terribly sorry. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I I'm like, oh yeah, no. I, when I saw these, I'm like. Oh, this is perfect because I I know Shauna will have seen it. Uh, We've have, all have, seen have it's seen. a wonderful life. I've seen oh. parts of it. I kind hey, of. Hey, I fear. I feel. About. Is there a bell that rings? Oh or something? boy! I feel oh, the uh, oh, the yeah. next year's holiday movie club I, coming on. Yeah, right it's now. it's quickly shaping up. It's quickly shaping <laughs> up. I was thinking that uh, too, but you guys maybe a, a scary Christmas holiday 
club too. It's called the nightmare. Oh, a, you want to do a scary one? We could have used you this year. You bet. That's on the calendar yeah. right now. I think we should do that next year and I'll watch the It's a Wonderful Life and we can talk about it afterwards next time. Okay. That works. That'll be the bonus, the bonus uh, movie club. Um, all right. Next one. Um, the Rankin and Bass. I mentioned Rankin and Bass earlier. We've been introducing. Uh, yeah. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman and, and especially yeah. the stop motion things. That's Rankin and Bass. Mm-hmm. I've yep. seen those. I want to be a dentist. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Christmas hot take. Santa. Santa Claus in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a huge jerk. He should be ashamed of himself. And I hope Donner has money set aside for poor Rudolph's future therapy because he was also a jerk and a terrible father. Side note, Yukon Cornelius and the Bumble are still the goat. Um, that is the hot take here is that Santa, the whole, the whole, well, Rudolph, you just need to, you know, they're, they're just better at this than you. And oh, your nose makes you a freak. Um, you Santa's know, that, a that's... bit of a conformist, and and Donner absolutely is like some of the father figures we've seen in these movies that we talked about today, where he's an overbearing, uh, absolute buying into the conventions of the day, and and also shares with a couple of our characters, and that he's frightened of something that's different, and he doesn't want to be viewed as different as a result, but. That's a pretty common fear that we all have at different ages and different eras. I don't want to say he's a terrible father, but I mean, he brings a lot of that father stuff to the party that when you want to, when you want to, and part of growing up is getting out of that, the shadow of that and doing your own thing, whether it's supported or not. That's what, that's what's brave about what Rudolph does. Santa, I don't know. He just, you know, he just doesn't have to deal with middle management a lot. He's got a lot. He's got so many things in between him and what's really going on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I th- I really do think he's Santa right. and he's just kind hearted and he lives up to the billing. But he doesn't he 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 hears the facts, but he doesn't get what it really is un- un- until he gets it. And that's that's human, too. So I'm going to just sure. defend those guys. But that hot takes pretty down the line. I mean, it's got to make it a good point. Shauna? Uh, I would say that when Rudolph's nose finally started to glow, I kind of wanted to flip Santa the bird. Did you? Yeah. See, yep. Yeah. You pick on this poor kid. See yeah. Santa? See yeah, Santa. but he didn't pick on him. He just sort of dismissed him politely. Or, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But hey, hey, Santa, maybe you, uh, Maybe you're not a jerk for five minutes, and uh, maybe you don't just side with your with your other reindeer homies. Um, well, you don't uh, want a reindeer right. strike right before Christmas either, Joel. That's well, that's true. I guess you, the, it's a fine line that he has to uh, that he has to. Walk. I'm just saying he's uh, he's got a big operation he's in charge of. I mean, I I'm not making excuses. I'm just I'm trying to step into his shoes and see it from his point of view. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> um all right here we go uh let's see if i can um oh no that's come on uh here's uh what okay the santa claus have we seen the santa claus uh okay and then i'm gonna skip this one no do it um, let's see if we can have an opinion about something we haven't even seen what's more what's Um, more toxic fandom than that 
the Santa Claus uh, is the most cold hearted Christmas movie ever made. And the elves in it are savage. Uh, let's see. Uh, we're talking about the Santa Claus, uh, maybe the most horrific, the whole trilogy. Yeah. I'm not talking about what happens to Scott Calvin and his transformation into Santa or the fact that Santa Claus 2 brings to brings uh, to the Santa finds a wife subgenre, which is always creepy as hell. <laughs> to recap, to recap, when Santa falls off his roof, Scott Calvin puts on his suit and instantly becomes the new Santa. It's all fun and frolics. And the elves explain that this is the Santa Claus. The creepiness begins early on because the roof Santa actually dies on screen quite slowly. And that's the only reason Scott can take on this role. None of the elves at the North Pole mourn the dead Santa. <laughs> Bernard just refers to him as the other Santa and shrugs <laughs> it off. They just cold heartedly accept that roof Santa is gone. And now they work with Scott. And then somebody else chimes in. It's not just humans, though. Elves disappear after hundreds of years and no one cares. And in Santa Claus one, Judy says she spent the last 1200 years perfecting her cocoa recipe, but she's nowhere to be seen in, in Santa Claus two. She's just casually replaced with another cocoa maker and never mentioned again. That's there where it go. ends with the cocoa. Yeah, apparently. Well, that was just that is on. an but epic whole, hot take of, of yeah. monumental proportions. But I roof Santa dies slowly. It, and it, no it, one it cares. is true. Those films are they're they're it's a clever idea, but they are cynical and, and awful. And and they don't. Ha I mean, they have a festiveness to them but they don't have a semblance of heart that really redeems any of the stuff in that rant so i've only seen bits and pieces of them i've never sat through a santa claus movie because tonally i they are, do seem off to me so i'm gonna agree with that one sean have you seen any of those the tim allen santa claus movies you haven't i have not but it doesn't but it, sound okay. great does it santa dies i don't know yeah it that's proves, the whole bit that's the whole bit, is, and the and the the the, uh, the the regular schlub and schmo is is contractually obligated to become the next Santa. That's that's the play on words. It's the Santa Claus in the contract. Mm -hmm. That um, yeah. That uh, weirdly, after hundreds of years or thousands of years of delivering, uh, slip uh, Santa slips on ice in a suburban home, and then we get Tim Allen is Santa Claus. You were going to say something, Ryan? I'm going to let that hot take okay. stand on its own. I wish it were right. what had been a little shorter, but it's pretty much spot on with some <laughs> of the, just examples of things where you, we've said it on the show. When we do our uh, deep dives, it's like, let's say, mm -hmm. let's just say what this thing is. And we do this a little bit in the movie club. And by saying what it is, you you reveal what it is in a way that when you're watching it, the magic of Hollywood can sometimes hoodwink you. It's really mm -hmm. true. And and of course, ideally, you get both. You get something that when you say what it is, is substantive. And you get delightfully manipulated and taken on a journey that is worthwhile. But sometimes you get really good at the craft of the thing. And when you really think about what it is, it's kind of horrible. And I think the Santa Claus mm -hmm. movies actually are, they fit that ladder. Is it for kids? Tim Allen's in it? It's family yeah. movies, yep, you bet. Family movies. They made three of them. And actually, they're making a uh, fourth. What, 
and they just debuted. It's actually a series. The Santa Clauses is uh, it, it just I believe just premiered on Disney Plus. Um, and uh, all right, final hot take. Ho ho ho! Uh, I, we may have covered this before, but it's uh, here's a go. Charlie Brown Christmas takes the tried and true formula that every child just loves. Melancholy and experimental jazz. <laughs> I've said this before, and I'm going to use this as an example to quick say it again. And I hate to do it as a final Christmas message, but I hate, hate, hate how the internet has taken the icons of the Peanuts gang and turned them into feel good memes. It's always Charlie Brown and Snoopy watching the sunset and Snoopy saying some wise sage thing or being super supportive. You know, Snoopy was not supportive. Snoopy was a dog that had his own agenda. And when Charlie Brown most needed comfort time and time and time again, Snoopy failed in bringing it to him. And yet, because Snoopy's a dog, the comfort is sort of built in and it exists there anyway in a sort of magical person-dog type relationship. But it's not because he wrapped his arm around him in the hard times and said something nice in his ear about him. The The peanut stories are about the, that, the trauma of childhood that comes from rejection, that comes from falling short, that comes from utter colossal disappointment. And that is a huge part of what growing up is. And I, we love the peanuts Christmas special. I mean, love, love, love it because it starts from that place of sadness and frustration. And I mean, there's nothing sadder in the world of any animation when he, when he goes, when he even decides what the right thing is to do and goes to hang that, ornament on that pathetic tree and it makes the tree tip over or whatever it's just it's <laughs> and he, yep we've all true. felt that and charles schultz knows he knows that and his heart and all of his best work is about that and i'm super annoyed that we that we've changed the the lens that we look back on that stuff with just completely transformed it into something that it totally isn't and it is the opposite of what it was right it, it pisses me off because it's not winnie the pooh and piglet you know right that's what that was it was it was based on that it but this is you know there was i you know speaking about this there was a love between Charlie Brown and, and Snoopy. No doubt. But Snoopy was constantly undermining him <laughs> and like mischievous and all of that. And in a way, it's kind of joyous because if you compare Snoopy and Charlie Brown to Lucy and Charlie Brown, I mean, Lucy was just mean to him. Snoopy, you know, was mischievous but loved him. So I agree with you. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I... I Really quick, my great aunt was friends with Charles Schultz. Ah, oh, neat. Isn't that cool? I have Very some, cool. I have like four, the little books that they used to have that were like this big. Yeah. He signed them to my aunt and drew oh the figures of Snoopy and Lucy. And Wow. It's really cool. Oh, my God. Well, that's, I, I would say, since we don't have a show now until well into the new year, um, the New Year's resolution, you guys, if you're really into peanuts, try and get back into touch with 
its creator and what he was really trying to say because he he absolutely had a point of view that, that is timeless and is is wonderful that we can all learn from and try and put the greeting card version of it behind you if you can right and right remember i can't remember the name the african-american the black uh franklin 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 yeah. the at the time when those were running the comic strips were running the newspapers were like we don't want him in this news strip and charles Schultz said fine i i won't provide any more material right and that's pretty remarkable you pick the yeah. right hill to die on if that was going to be the case and of course he knew of course he knew he he had had all the cards in that situation too but the world the united states loved peanuts you're gonna pull my thing and go ahead it'll blow it up yep <laughs> yep see yep. what happens all right folks and if you like really drunk old wife beaters from the 50s you always got the handicap strip just a few things there you down. go if you if you need that yep um on all right note. folks <laughs> all right uh dear listeners dear viewers uh thank you all so much for another season um this was this is the 40th episode of the movie show with joel and ryan um of 2022 uh and it is uh we we love that you continue to listen uh we hope that you will continue to listen as we get into season six of this thing uh and um and yeah, and that that's and we hope you all have a happy and safe holiday season. Uh, I, uh, Shauna, thank you so much for joining us once again. We're so uh, for, grateful for you and your perspective. So grateful. For yes, you. I'm grateful to be on here and to think about this stuff. Thank you. Absolutely. We yeah, we love having we love having you here for Movie Club. We love Movie Club. We love that this is a little fun thing that we get the three of us get to do together. Um, I'm going to give the, the last word over to Ryan. Uh, Ryan reflections on season five. I don't have any reflections. All I can think to say is <laughs> God bless us all, everyone. I think that says it all right there. That's going to do it for us. You can and reach also, out to us at all of our social media. about? everyone there you go <laughs> take care happy holidays everyone thank you for listening to the movie show with joel and ryan remember all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people institutions or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with unless explicitly stated none of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive and now Here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out.